And a good afternoon and welcome to today's COSIDA Capital One Listening and Learning Webinar. I'm Nick Guerrero, a coordinator for the Professional Development and Education Committee. Uh, we're pleased to offer a discussion here today on a guide to understanding and improving your mental health and wellness in COVID-19. Our presenters today are Ryan Bauer, Brian Savard, and Ivy Watts. Uh, we appreciate everyone uh, for joining us today. Before we begin, we'd like to take a quick, uh, say a quick thank you to our corporate partner, Capital One, a presenting sponsor of our continuing education series. Uh, as a reminder, the webinar will be posted later today on COSIDA.com and in the COSIDA Connect, our membership online community. Uh, we'll also have this as a podcast and you'll be able to download it on uh, services listed on COSIDA.com. And we will place this webinar on our COSIDA YouTube channel as well. Uh, thank you to everyone who submitted questions in advance. We encourage you to submit any questions you might have. Uh, place your questions in the chat box and your questions will be answered throughout the webinar. Well, Brian, Ivy, Brian, uh, you know, I think at this current time right now in COVID-19, obviously mental health and wellness is extremely important. And all three of you bring a different dynamic to it. Ivy, uh, you are the founder of, the, of Ivy Watts Speaks, a mental health uh, and empowerment speaker. Um, uh, Brian, uh, Brian uh, former SID, currently with the North Carolina Office of Human Resources. And Brian Savard uh, is the... Uh, Assistant AD for Communications at Plattsburgh State. Uh, well, thanks to everyone for joining us. Ivy, we'll start with you. Talk to us a little bit about this world we're in right now, how mental health and wellness uh, has really, you know, kind of kind of taken a, a bit of a, a hard a heartache on everybody and, and everyone's feeling a little bit down right now. Yeah, definitely. Hello, everybody. I'm grateful to be here, excited. Yeah, definitely. Um, this world that we're living in right now is definitely unprecedented. Uh, the amount of loss that we've all experienced in such a short amount of time has caused a lot of anxiety, fear, uncertainty for so many of us. And for a lot of us, we might have been dealing with this for the first time, or it was on top of struggles that we were already having in our lives related to work, personal lives, whatever it might have been. So it's an incredibly tough time. And so I'm really, really grateful that you're here today to do something for your mental health and just really have these discussions and open up that door about what self-care techniques you can do for yourself or even just to feel a little bit less alone than you walked into this conversation. With that being said, with it being such an incredibly tough time that we're going through, it's just really important to allow yourself to feel how you're feeling because, you know, I, th I think I hear from so many people that they feel selfish about the things that they've lost out on because people are, are dying in the world. But it's really important to recognize that no matter what you're going through, how big or how small it might seem to you or somebody else, it's important and it's valid. So with that being said, yes, it's an incredibly tough time. We've lost a lot in a short amount of time. So really just acknowledging that, you know, you're feeling whatever you might be feeling, sadness, anger, frustration, and knowing that that's okay to feel that way, but that there's a lot of tools that you can use um, during these tough times. Ryan, as a former uh, SID, you know, someone who's been very open about mental health and you know, kind of transitioning in, in, into a new world right now. What is it that, you know, has, has kept you and, you know, helped you through these times right now? There we go. Sorry, I was muted there. Um, it's, it, you'd think after all this time, I would have learned like how to unmute and mute myself properly from all these online meetings everybody's having all the time. But um, no, it's, it's really been my friends and family um, who've kind of gotten me through this period. Um, obviously my wife's great. Um, we have the dogs, they're awesome. Um, but it's, it's been my friends and family and making contact with those people and staying in contact with those people that includes people in and out of the, the SID profession. Um, you know, I, I still obviously talk to a lot of people in the profession and, and have friends there, um, and friends outside of the profession as well. So it's been keeping those relationships intact, checking in with people probably more often than normal right now. Uh, because, you know, we can't see people in person, but we also know that, you know, a lot of people are under a lot of stress and, and there's a lot of mental health issues going on. So I think checking in with people uh, more often has, has really been helpful for me. Um, so, yeah, that, that's been the biggest thing is just keeping those relationships and lines of communication open with people. 
And Brian, obviously, you know, you're you're in a diff different situation than the rest of us. You just became a first time dad during this and, uh, you know, trying to trying to run a shop as well. Uh, you know, what are some of the things that you've had to kind of deal with that maybe, you know, for, for the rest of us have been a bit different? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, and I, I'm sure I could probably speak for anyone with a family, you know, the, the pandemic, you know, hits you. Uh, pretty hard when you you look at the you know the financial impact you know, or potential financial impact it might have when you're raising a family and you know now I uh, you know I'm not only responsible for you know helping provide for uh, you know my family with my you know wife but now I've got a, a daughter as well uh, so um, I think you know it's uh, you know the way that I'm managing it is I mean. To be honest, I, I don't know what fatherhood is like uh, in a non-pandemic, but I will say that what, you know, what this environment has allowed me to do is is probably spend a little bit more time with uh, my daughter uh, than I would have if, you know, this were September 1st, uh, 2019, and uh, I was preparing for uh, you know, a million home events and attending a million meetings and working all hours of the night. Uh, you know, I try to look at the positive aspect of that. And I know that uh, all of you, uh, you know, are dealing with, with that change of pace as well. Uh, and, and certainly being a new dad, uh, you know, it, it's finding the silver lining and, and being able to, uh, you know, spend quality family time. You know, obviously throughout all this, you know, the wellness is, is important. And, you know, Ivy, talk a little bit about, you know, some of the difficulties that we've seen through stresses and fears. You know, I know for me, someone who's, you know, kind of been, been unemployed since, you know, early May, loss of day, you know, I think I've made the joke sometimes. And I think Ryan, you and I talked about this as well. You know, if it's not for someone putting up the day of the week on, on TV sometimes, you know, I don't know if it's a Saturday or a Tuesday. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely very valid. I think we can certainly struggle with that, with not having that structure and routine um, that we used to have. And so I think a lot of that really just kind of centers around how can you really like stay motivated in these times? How can you center yourself in some of those positive things like Brian was talking about? Um, it's definitely really difficult to have this huge transition that you were not expecting to happen. You know, I think it came so suddenly, we were all just living our lives and then one morning it was completely different. And so I think it's kind of goes back to um, being, just really being patient with yourself in this process and, and knowing that some days are gonna be easier than others. Some days you're gonna wake up and you'll be feeling motivated or you'll know what day it is and know what time it is and, and have a set schedule and feel really good about yourself and about things that are going to come in the future for you. And other days you might not feel positive. Other days you might not be excited about what's to come or really fearful about if you will have a job in the future but i think it's really about just staying central to this um current moment that we have right now and really being centered around what we what we do have being grateful for those things that we do have and just trying to keep as many positive people around you to motivate you to remind you of what you believe in what what motivates you and can like encourage you to do different activities and things like that just to make sure you stay in that routine. Ryan, as someone who's out of the industry right now, talk to us a little bit about that as well. Obviously your your life's kind of a little bit more regulated now, uh, uh, Monday to Friday lifestyle, um, maybe not nine to five, um, but how has that kind of helped you kind of just understanding uh, where you are during the day and, and you know making sure that those stresses and fears just aren't hitting you? Um, I'd say, you know, it's definitely made things a lot easier, um, kind of kind of having that more established schedule and things like that, because I can schedule time for myself to go do things that I know are going to take some of that stress off a little bit. Um, whereas before, obviously, when you had athletic events going on and I was in that field, um, it was a little more difficult, um, you know, to, to schedule things that you knew were going to take stress off and things that you knew that you really enjoyed. So that's definitely been a really positive aspect of it. Um, and I think for, for those folks right now that are, are worried about, oh, man, we don't have games or, you know, even those that, that don't have a job right now, they're furloughed or they've been laid off um, to try to 
embrace the fact that right now you do have time to schedule some of that stuff. And while there's additional stresses there, even with a job loss and things like that, um, which I know are really difficult for people, kind of embrace the, the, the reality that you do have some more time now to schedule some things to maybe relax a little bit more and, and get out there and, and do some more things that you normally wouldn't have been able to do at the beginning of September like this. Brian, I think for you, you know, going back to, you know, being a first time dad and, and trying to figure it all out, I think your life is going to be a little bit different. You know, like you said, you, by now you'd have, you know, your, your first week of the season and now you don't, but what are some of the ways that you've kind of gone your day to day? I, I mean, uh, my day to day has been determined by a three week old. Uh, <laughs> so a lot of it, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, honestly, uh, that's probably a better question to ask me in two weeks. You know, this <laughs> this is my first day actually back on the job, even though, I mean, obviously, even though I was on paternity leave, uh, you know, I'm still doing work here and there. But I think one thing, you know, and and, and this this goes somewhat to when my wife was pregnant for most of the uh, pandemic is uh, it, I, I think, if anything, these past you know, six months or so have, have taught me how to compartmentalize different areas of, of my life, you know, you know, so, I mean, I think so much of what I used to think of myself as is, oh man, I, I you know, I'm an SID and that's, you know, that's who I am. Uh, I think that, that, you know, now I'm able to identify myself better as, as a husband, as a dad, as a, as a son, uh, you know, I think, uh, that's how I, and that's how I'm structuring my days. Uh, I'm not checking my email every three minutes. Um, you know, I, I, you know, when I'm home, uh, I'm home and, and I try to do that a lot, um, in my, in my day-to-day -day life at, at work. I, I know a lot of folks for convenience, like to write, uh, game stories from home. I, you know, I, I really try to, uh, you know, keep my home life at home when I'm home I'm I'm fully engaged in paying attention to my wife and now my daughter uh so I think that that's how I've dealt with it. uh and that's not to say that my job isn't important or or that there's you know if there's an emergency at work that hey I'm I'm you know I'm here to uh put out that fire uh but largely you know I'm I'm not letting my job define me anymore which is I think something that the pandemic has has really taught me uh or better reinforced for me yeah i mean right what do you what do you think about that one? obviously you know when you were an sid it's 24 7 go 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 and, and now you've stepped out of that and you're now you're working for the state of north carolina how, how has that kind of been i think you're muted again I'm terrible at this thing. I should be so much better at it. Um, no, it's uh, it's been good. I mean, it's it's definitely the pace is a lot different. Um, it's slower, and that was actually a struggle at the beginning to to slow down a little bit and to understand that I did have more time to to work on some things. Um, and the expectations were just a lot different as well. So um, I've kind of had to to learn how to slow down a little bit. Um, after you know living that life that was go 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 all the time. Um. You know, I think the, the one thing that Brian just talked about and I would echo is, is just understanding that your value is not in your job. So, you know, again, some some of you out there who are, who are watching this today may have had that job taken away from you. And, and that's a large part of your identity that gets taken away. Um, but I think understanding that your identity is is much more so in the relationships that you have with people and the friends and family that you have. Um, if you're a person of faith, it's in that faith that you have as well. And so, um, you know, I think that's an important thing to remember as you go through this. But as far as, as how the new job has played into that, um, you know, it has afforded me more time to, like I said earlier, go and do some things I want to do. Um, quite honestly, uh, having more time, my marriage is better off for it. Um, but it's, um, you know, it's been a good time to, to be able to, you know, like Brian said, you know, when I'm, when I'm home, which is all the time now, um, but when I'm done with work, I'm done with work. And I have the ability now to go focus on other things. And that's been really, really helpful for me, not only mentally, but just physically, just everything um, has been much better to have more time. So again, go back to what I said earlier, embrace that time that you have right now, whether it's forced time or not, you know, embrace that and take advantage of it and set up some, some good habits and things like that right now. They're going to help you down the road. 
Ivy, talk a little bit about that as well, but also talk a little bit about when you know you're you're talking with 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 people just that that balance of life, you know, work life. You know, as a former student athlete, you had to deal with it from a classroom to you know on on the field. How, how do you how do you deal with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, to build off the identity piece first, um, I think that's incredibly important to kind of look at this time of how you can really build that identity. I know for me, when I was struggling with my mental health, when I was a student athlete, I did not know who I was outside of being an athlete. So when that experience ended for me, it was a complete shock. My struggle got a whole lot worse. So for me, it was about realizing what other activities I enjoyed, what else brought value to my life. And so I think it's also a really great opportunity right now to see really who you are outside of the role that's defined you for so long and really seeing this as an opportunity to really develop that sense of self-love and self-worth that you might not have had for yourself because you kind of boxed yourself into the position that you're in um, and really just being able to see that you are worthy exactly as you are and just take this time to find out what else makes you you and, and the beautiful person that you are and I, I think that that's something that we can kind of transition our mindset around this tough time um, but to the work-life balance piece yeah it's definitely really difficult to find that balance of being able to set those boundaries take those breaks walk away from the computer and say okay i'm, I'm going to take this 10 15 minutes or two hours or, or whatever it is and ryan and brian are, are both really great that they're able to you know have their work and then have their time that they're able to spend with their families and that's that's awesome um but you know for others of us who might be struggling with that balance i think being able to almost set a timer so Something that can be beneficial is you do work for, or you do something, whatever it is, work or, or not, for 45 minutes or an hour, and then you have a timer that goes off that encourage you just to take a walk or to take a breathing break or whatever it might be. Um, and then just really setting that boundary of whatever time that you're going to really kind of take that step away from work and to focus on um, something else I think can be really beneficial. And by taking those breaks, you allow yourself to be more effective when you come back. Because when you're just going, 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 it really does do a lot on your mental wellness. So taking that break allows you to be more effective, more rejuvenated, and you'll accomplish your goals a lot more easily and a lot with a lot less stress because you've allowed yourself to take that mental break. But I think also, and one of our questions uh, talked a little bit about that is, you know, when without games and those deadlines, how do we stay focused? How do we stay motivated? You know, especially someone that's struggling, you know, Ivy, maybe give a little bit more about what, what people can, can do uh, individually. Yeah, definitely. Um, Bo, do you mind if I share my screen? Perfect. Hopefully everyone can see this. Um, so yeah, I think staying motivated right now is incredibly, uh, can be incredibly difficult. So I think one of the biggest things, as I mentioned before, is just really being patient with yourself because this is an incredibly tough time that, you know, you've probably never gone through all of this at one point and in time. And so it's really important to recognize that if you're not feeling motivated right now, or if you're task oriented or deadline oriented, and you aren't, you don't have those deadlines right now because you've been furloughed, just really knowing that it's okay if you're struggling to stay motivated right now. And so really being patient with yourself. And one of the biggest things that I like to say to myself when I'm having a tough time and I'm not feeling as positive as I'd like to feel is I like to say to myself, you know, today wasn't my best day, but true strength is saying, you know, I will try again tomorrow. And knowing that if tomorrow we we're blessed to see to, to see tomorrow, then really just allowing yourself to get up and try again. And that's what I think is really, really important about mental wellness and self-compassion is really just allowing yourself to continuously try over and over, no matter how fall, uh, how short you feel like you might have fallen in that day. But a couple other things, um, creating a routine is really big during this time. So if you Really, you know, we're used to a routine, you know, being an SID and now you don't have that anymore. It looks a whole lot different. Really just setting a routine that you're still going to wake up every morning at X time. You're going to eat breakfast. You're going to make lunch. You're going to call this person. So you still have this structure and you, you type it out. You have it somewhere that you can see. Um, and I think that can allow you to just feel somewhat normal again in your life. And having those kind of check-ins consistently with yourself by having that routine can help you to stay motivated setting small achievable goals right and it, often in these times when things feel so negative and heavy it can be hard to even see bigger goals as being realistic 
So really breaking those big goals that you might have for yourself professionally or personally and breaking them down into smaller chunks that you can really feel proud of yourself for doing. And so with that, that's really celebrating your small wins. So maybe your goal is to get out of bed this morning or tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. because you've been getting out at 10 and you really just wanna start your day a whole lot earlier, maybe it's 6 a.m., whatever it is. But really just setting that goal and then really rewarding yourself and celebrating those small wins and really knowing that by celebrating those small wins, you're putting positivity into your world and that just allows you to push for forward and again, allows you to really just be patient with yourself and just again continuously try again the next day so that's how i really encourage everyone to just stay motivated but again it's it's important to recognize that some days you might not feel motivated and that's okay brian talk a little bit about that um you know more along the lines from an sid's perspective as a manager's perspective you know having to having to oversee some some people how do you keep your staff motivated how is your staff keeping you motivated uh, are you talking specifically like in general or during the COVID times? Because during, during, during our times right now, I mean, yeah. we're all kind of sitting home. We haven't seen our staffs, you know, you know, a lot of them are doing these webinars and, and, and you know, FaceTime or, or, or Skyping with each other or Zooming. Yeah, I mean, I it's incredibly difficult. I mean, I I, I wish I, I had a catch all answer to that. But the reality is, is it's incredibly it's incredibly challenging to maintain a really strong morale i mean i don't i only i only supervise one person in, in my assistant obviously I, i'm part of my ad's administrative group that helps provide uh guidance and morale for our whole department but you know i i think you know and my ad is is mr positivity so i mean i i think sometimes it's really you know he he uh, he's a good person to be around and and I, you know, I'd like to think he rubs off on me and the rest of our administrative staff. You know, we're trying to do as much as we can in person while safely, uh, which is, you know, to say very limited. You know, we had a, I had a meeting this morning with, with uh, some, some of my staff and, uh, you know, we did it socially distanced. And I think that that was important. It was the first in-person meeting that, that I had had uh since march um you know everything else had been done through zoom but if you know if i was still doing meetings through zoom i think it's you know i i think what works best from a management style is is being honest and transparent with people uh and i know that that's uh difficult uh and it's something that we all uh you know myself included you know not being in control of a lot of things and with having a lot of unknown um, you know, being okay, you know, with some of that. I, I think one of the hardest, one of the hardest things, um, you know, in terms of, of mental uh, coping skills is radical acceptance. Um, and that this is, there are a lot of things right now um, that I can't control. Some of that <laughs> includes my staff's morale. Uh, I can't promise them that they're gonna have a job in, in six months. Um, you know, I, I know that that's it's tough to hear. Uh, nobody can promise me that I'm going to have a job in, in six months. Um, but I think radically accepting the, the situation that we're in um, and controlling only what you can control. Uh, you know, one thing that I have done to, uh, and again, you know, this is something I'm able to do on my campus. I know that navigating the political minefields on any given campus is different, but I've been, you know, very active and involved with other areas of my campus and been visible. Um, I see that as something that I can control, uh, but I can't control, uh, you know, how many students are going partying off campus that might, uh, you know, force a shutdown and a refunding of all of our fees, which would put a lot of jobs in jeopardy. I can't control that. I would be lying to say that I don't think about it, but I I I, ex I accept that it's there. I don't like the situation that I'm in, you know, with the pandemic. I but I realize that I can't change certain things. I so I work on what I can control. Uh, but morale's a morale's a tough thing. Um, I, I think being authentic and being genuine with people in this time is is probably the best thing that you can do. And be compassionate. Um, understand that that people. Are going through a lot. You're all. You all are going through a lot. Um, 
and understanding that and all the interactions that I have, whether it's my staff, uh, people that work for me, or uh, whether it's coworkers or whether it's it's management, uh, everyone is going through their own unique uh, struggles right now. Yeah, I think that's that's important. Um, you know, Ivy, talk a little bit about that. Just you know, the relationships and and how important it is to you know, just I guess the empowerment of everybody, making sure everyone is you know, like we talked about, properly motivated, or you know, if they're having a bed, they had to had to pick people up. Yeah, I think Brian said it exactly right, is that, you know, people are going through a really hard time right now. And so it can be frustrating, especially if you have someone in your life that's really hard on you or they're feeling the stress and they're putting it on you. Um, but I think, you know, as Brian said, the biggest thing is to be compassionate during this time. And even with the people who look like they're going through COVID, you know, with flying colors, you know, people often will hide behind you know, a smile or looking like they're okay, even though they really might be struggling with COVID or really anything else going on in their life. So it's really important to be kind to people. It's important to check in with people. So I think that question, how are you, is a question that we so often throw around and don't really have any weight behind it. So I can think about so many times I just asked, how are you, and really just wanted it to be good, good, and to move on. But I just think there's a lot of value in really asking that question and really saying, you know, how are you really? And I think really being able to be open about what you're going through, knowing that it's not shameful to talk about what you're going through, really opens the door for other people to see that it's okay to talk about their mental health, which is why spaces like this are so important because, you know, there's people talking openly about what they've gone through and providing tools and tips, and that just breaks down that stigma. So I think it's just really being able to see that you're not alone in this and that if someone else is struggling to really just provide a listening ear for them, provide a shoulder to listen to their struggles and really just validating what they're going through. Because even if you don't understand, it doesn't make their struggle any less valid. And when we can do this for other people, then other people can do it back for us as well. And I think that's when we can really make a difference in helping our mental health and the mental health of others. Ryan, as Ivy mentioned, kind of breaking the stigma a little bit, you've been very open about some of your struggles and such. You know, what are some things that, you know, I think for, for people out there that may be struggling right now that, you know, like Ivy said, someone says, hey, how are you? And everyone says, oh, I'm okay. But what are some of the things, maybe some some ways that, you know, if, if you see some somebody or you hear it in their voice, a way to kind of say, hey, like, really, how are you? Third time's a charm. Um, I know, right? <laughs> I, I can sit there with the mouse right over it. Gosh. Um, I really think that that it is important to, to kind of be upfront with people on things. Um, you know, one of the best things that you can do, I think, in my mind, is um, is talk to someone over a meal. So if you see that, that you know, you think someone might be struggling, hey, can we go grab lunch? Um, or what, what are your lunch plans? Whatever uh, that might look like. Um, because then, then you kind of get them out of that, you know, you get them out of the office or wherever it might be, and you get them kind of in a one-on-one -on -one situation. It's a little easier to, to talk to them about. Um, but, you know, it really, I mean, honestly, I, I find the best way to, to do it, at least for me, has been to just straight up ask somebody, you know, hey, how you doing? And if you kind of get that sense that, you know, something's off, be like, what's going on? Like, I kind of hear it in your voice a little bit. Um, and, and people are going to share with you whatever they're going to share with you. So that's the one thing I would say is don't be afraid to ask those questions um, because that person is going to share as much or as little as they're willing to share in most instances. Um, but understand too, like some people are more open about it than others. And so if you don't get the response you're looking for or you don't get as much information as you want, that's okay. Um, but, you know, definitely at least let them know, hey, like you're, you're there, you care about things. Um, and it's not just a, a passing someone in the hallway. Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Good. And go about your day. Um, but it really is you kind of investing in that person. Um, you know, I, one thing I was a really big uh, proponent of when I was working at Florida Southern and other places um, that I was at was just popping into people's office every now and then just to chat about things that had nothing to do with work. So it was, you know, I, I'd go talk to the men's basketball coaches about how poorly I played golf with them earlier in the week or whatever it might be. Um, but, you know, chat, finding something outside of work to talk to people about is really important because that helps that comfort level increase with people. And then they are more likely to come to you and talk to you when something might be bothering them. So that's what I would do. I would be, you know, be upfront with people. And again, it's all about building that relationship um, so that that person trusts you. 
Yeah, and Ryan, obviously, you know, you and I have a good relationship, you know, from working through Coastside and, and Tundra. We I needed to lean on you for for some guidance and stuff. But uh, you know, Brian, when we did our, our pre-tape, we talked a little bit about you know trying to stay positive and not in those dark places and such. You want to talk a little bit about that and you know maybe for you know how you've gotten through and overcome some of your struggles. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I first off, I, I'm not sure there's a one size fits all solution. It's also, you know, it's it's a work in progress. It's a constant work in progress. You know, I, I've, uh, you know, I was diagnosed with clinical depression when I was a child, and it's been something that I've navigated uh, all my life, and it's been different at different stages of my life. Uh, I think there's a few. A few things that really helped me. One is is having a really good support system outside of work. Um, so family, um, friends. Uh, you know, I think you know those people are instrumental in uh, being a, a network of people that I can go to uh, if I'm you know anxious, if I'm you know feeling depressed. Uh, and and therapy is incredibly uh, has been incredibly helpful. For me, uh, you know, I I think of you know uh, mental health similar to physical health. Uh, if I have a uh, you know if I if I go running and I and I you know tear my ACL, I'm going to get treatment for that. Um, I see mental health similar to that. Uh, it's important to uh, you know not only reach out to your friends and family, but um, you know you know. It, seeking a mental health professional uh, if you really need it, it is is really important i know that there's stigma around that and i, w I wish that there wasn't um because and maybe it's just because it's been a normal part of my life and maybe people are uncomfortable talking about it but um you know no one can do it themselves or or you know no, nobody should do it themselves um you know it, that that really helps um you know, for me, um, you know, during the pandemic, one thing that that you know, similar to what Ivy said, of setting routines. You know, every morning I'm I go out for a walk with my dog, um, and you know, it, I, it's it's probably about a, a two mile uh, you know loop that I do. I uh, but that's really important, at least for me, to help you know get me out of the house. Um, and and you know now. Uh, now that I'm in the office, it's, you know, finding, you know, other ways uh, to create routine within within my daily life. I, I think that that's, you know, that's really important. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the most important thing to do is to is to seek out people and, and don't, I, you know, don't be afraid uh, if you feel comfortable with your employer to, to have a conversation with your supervisor. Uh, each of my uh, past you know, to employers, you know, my supervisor, I've been comfortable talking about my mental health with them. Uh, I'm not saying that that may be a, a, the right conversation for you. I hope that it is. Um, but I have had two athletic directors who've been largely supportive of, of my mental health and whatever unique needs at times, you know, there, there might be, uh, not that, you know, I, I wouldn't say that my mental health prevents me from doing my job, but I think that in having that conversation, my bosses can help get the most out of me and, and ensure, you know, my, my mental health is only going to improve my productivity. And I think that they've understood that. Uh, so, Having that conversation, if you can, is incredibly important. And I understand some of you may not feel comfortable to have that conversation, but if you do, I think it's it's you know it takes a, a lot off you, and and you know you might find that you have a partner in your in your fight against your mental illness. Now, Ivy, obviously, as a former student athlete, you you explained a little while ago that you did have some struggles. You know, we'll. we'll talk a little bit on the athlete side for a couple seconds though but obviously in, in college athletics right now mental health is starting to you know be something that's not you know uh something that people shouldn't be afraid to talk about student athletes shouldn't be afraid to either go to their coach or their athletic trainer or, or hey an sid someone you know who, who they can confine in you know how important though do you think that the mental health world and profession should be within college athletics not just for the athlete but also for the staff member 
Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I think that mental health conversations in the athletic world for staff and student athletes is so, so important. I think the stigma around mental health has definitely decreased over recent years. I mean, I just graduated in 2015, so it hasn't been so long ago, but even then we never had mental health conversations. I was terrified about talking about what I was going through because it was just something, at least on my campus, that we didn't talk about. And so I see now, you know, especially doing the work that I do with, with speaking to schools, I, I do see there is a, a difference in wanting to have these conversations. And I think with the athletic staff, it's it's just as important because it has to be you know almost a top-down approach. The student athletes can feel empowered to go do something for their mental health, but if their athletic director or coach doesn't feel invested in this conversation, then we're not really gonna get anywhere. Um, and the same thing with, with all athletic staff is when you're supporting other people, um, whether that's through a coaching capacity or in a role that you are making sure that you know students are you know, pr promoted and, and accurately displayed in, in media content, um, it's really important to be able to look at yourself and ask, also ask yourself, like, how am I doing? Because if you can't take care of yourself, then you're not able to take care of anybody else in your life. Um, if a student athlete comes to you and wants support, if, a, if your child or friend comes to you and wants support, if you're not able to really support yourself and figure out what self-care techniques feel good for you, then you won't really be able to provide your best self to that person. So it's really, really important in, in college athletics and for everybody to know that their mental health matters and that what you're going through is important and that it's it's not shameful to open up and get help and that it really shows a lot of strength because, you know, as Brian said, you shouldn't have to do it alone. And so you're recognizing that you need the supportive network around you that might include therapy and you and should include self-care techniques that you can use that will really help you through this tough time and and that's okay because you know you're worthy of that yeah i think ivy one of the things also that you know really stepped out when we had our pre-tape the other day you talked about you know, the importance of just self-worth and you know, i think that kind of ties into that a little bit what are some of the things that maybe you know in in, in your conversations you've had how do you you know talk about self-worth to to individuals whether it's athletes or, or to staff members yeah, definitely. Um, so self-worth definitely ties in with self-love. And that was something that was huge on, on my personal journey. And so something that I always really emphasize to do and what I do every time I, I speak in a presentation um, is just the power of practicing affirmations. And so a lot of times when you do affirmations, you can say like, okay, this is like ridiculous. I don't believe any of these things that I'm saying. But it's a really powerful tool because you know we truly act consistent with who we think we are. So when we're telling ourselves negative things, especially in dark times like we're going through right now, it's you know often that we will not only act more negatively, but we attract more negative people and opportunities to us. And so it really is a mindset change around being positive, even when you don't necessarily believe it, um, and really seeing how your life changes. And when I was struggling and telling myself positive affirmations, it's not that I woke up the next morning and, and felt 100% better, but it was that consistent work at those affirmations that made me finally see that I was worthy exactly as I was and that I was worthy of reaching my goals and worthy of love and, and all of these different things. Um, and so the, the big three affirmations that I always practice, that I always chant in affirmations are, I am worthy, I am capable, and I am good enough. And those are my three that I say before a presentation, before a conversation that's really stressing me out, because it really does just bring this calm over me that you know I don't know what's going to happen in 2.5 seconds, but I do know that in this moment as I am, I am good enough, and that's all that I can really control. And so I encourage you during these tough times to really think about what you can put after I am that isn't all the negative things you've been saying for your entire life. That's 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 amazing. Um, just quick note for everyone watching, please submit your questions. Um, I do want to take this one comment and read it out loud. And you know, uh, if everyone on, on our panel wants to uh, comment on this one, and, and the comment just says, as someone who has lived with depression for more than ten years, I always tell people seek help for your mental seeking help for your mental health is not an act of weakness. Seeking help for your mental health is an act of courage and strength. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. I think that kind of goes back to something that Brian talked about earlier. And this is what I've told a lot of people, um, whether people who are struggling with it, mental illness or people that don't quite understand the struggle with it. You know, he talked about if you're running and you tear your ACL, you're going to get treatment on it, right? 
And I tell people all the time, I've kind of compared it this way. If you had some type of kidney issue and you needed dialysis, you need to do that every day or whatever in order to survive. You know, you're, you're taking care of that organ in your body. The brain is an organ in your body that, that controls everything else in the body. And so why are you not taking that same approach to what's going on in your mind and in your brain um, and, and getting the, the proper treatment for that? Uh, you know, and that can look a lot of different ways. It could be therapy. It could be some health medication, um, whatever it might be. Um, exercise, things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't agree with that more. It's, it's definitely not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. And again, you would you would get treatment for other parts of your body. So why not get it for, you know, for what's going on uh, in between your ears? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that that's just, you know, I think everything we've, we've kind of talked about is definitely, you know, hit on that Ryan it's just it was just a great point you made there um you know one of the things I think is is very important and we are talking about mental health and wellness in COVID but you know I think for some of the people Brian you, you know as you said earlier you don't know what's going to happen with your staff six months from now so you know if, if people start getting furloughed or, or getting laid off but you know any any advice for for someone who maybe has been laid off or furloughed from you know as early as you know end of end of what was basketball season to now anything that you know you could maybe say to them to to make them feel that you know the world really isn't crashing down on them that this isn't their fault and you know what, what's going on in the world right now doesn't reflect on them as a professional yeah i i mean i i i wish you know there was something i could say that would say like hey here's here's your job back uh but the the reality is that uh you know, I, one thing that my, uh, you know, I talked to my, my mom quite a bit and, you know, she's like, you know, well, the world is chaotic right now. Sports are going to be back. You know, your industry is going to be back at, at some point in time. Uh, you know, and my own fears of, of being furloughed and obviously some of you have, uh, had that reality, but I think as I, you know, one of the things that I said before is, is trying to not identify yourself uh, solely within your job. I mean, I think as a as a young professional, that was, you know, I love. I mean, I still love being an SID, but like then, I mean, that was who I thought I was. You know, I I, I measured my self worth and my value through my job performance and who I, you know, how I was doing my job, um, and that obviously was not a very healthy way of thinking. You know, I mean, certainly you should. Uh, you know, do your best in your job and, and you know, continue to do uh, professional development and webinars like this um, to improve yourself as a professional. But at the end of the day, you're, you know, I, I know it's easier said than done because, uh, you know, all of us rely on our on our jobs for, for you know, income. Uh, but you're more than just an SID. You're more than just an athletic communications professional. You're you know, you're you're probably you know a, a a father or a mother. You're probably a son or a daughter. You're you know you probably have hobbies, and and those hobbies can define parts of you too. Um, I I say this knowing that if you've been furloughed, I mean I I I I don't think that there's anything I can say that can fully bring you know bring you completely at peace with that, but trying to find parts of yourself and people in your life that aren't tied to your job, um, you know, I think is, is really important and, and know that, you know, this pandemic is not going to last forever. Um, there, you know, you will find uh, another job or your job will bring you back at some point. Um, you know, you're going to get through this. Um, and again, it's tough to hear that advice from somebody who, uh, currently has a job, but I, I think that, you know, you're, you're more than just your job and, and you're going to make it through it. That's what I would tell somebody that, that has been furloughed. All right. Let's take uh, some questions now from, from our audience and some of these were pre-sent. So we'll, uh, we'll go right to them. Brian, uh, this one, we'll start off with you on this one. Uh, how do you manage stress as being passed from your athletic director because he or she is under tremendous stress? So I'm, I mean, I'm fortunate in that I have, 
I've, I have a really, really good AD. Um, so I talk to him daily. Um, you know, we, we will talk for probably like a half hour, 45 minutes. And you know, obviously it's mostly talking about work. Uh, so, you know, I don't think he's inundating me with a lot of projects, but I think it's, you know, going back to sort of what Ivy said and, and what I had said, you know, can, you know, having compassion, understanding that he or she is probably getting a ton of pressure. I mean, I, I know that our, our management on this campus has been dealing with things that no college administrators on this campus ever have before, um, you know, with financial issues to health and safety issues to, you know, disciplinary issues. I mean, there's so many layers to what an administrator has to do that if a, if my boss, you know, were to be short with me, which he hasn't been, but if he was, I think sort of understanding where he's coming from to say like, oh, geez, like he's under a lot of stress right now. Um, and, and know that it's probably not personal uh, if, you know, your AD sends you a short email uh, or doesn't respond to a, a text message or a phone call uh, quickly, uh, that it's probably not personal. He or she is dealing with quite a lot. Uh, so that's, you know, that's how I would approach that. There's another one. Uh, anyone feel free to answer this one. Uh, if you're feeling overwhelmed, um, how do you best express this to your supervisor without looking weak or nervous about possibly losing your position? I think yeah. that okay. <laughs> I think that that goes along with a lot what we were saying with that it's really not shameful to really speak about what you're going through. I think if you're really struggling and you're in a space that you believe that you know your boss you want your boss to know you want, think that this person will be helpful um, in in helping you to get the help that you need. I don't think that you should feel shameful about losing your job or about um, looking weak because again it's not a sign of weakness at all because we we all struggle with something there's something that you know you stub your toe and you're angry about it for the day later like that that's something that if you're upset about that that's okay um, and I think just really breaking it down to that um, level around it is that like you know I'm just having a tough time right now if you're not ready to say that I'm dealing with X, Y, and Z, you can at least be able to say that like, I'm, I'm struggling with something right now and I just really need to figure out how to, to work through this. Do you have any suggestions for me? Or I just saw this really great resource. You know, I'm gonna go seek that out. Like just being open about what you need and asking for what you need, I think is really, really important when it comes to your mental health in a work setting and then in any other setting as well. If I could just comment real quick, I, first of all, I've, I've had to have that conversation with somebody, so I, you know, I sympathize with people that have had to do it. Um, but like Ivy talked about, you know, being honest with people. I think the other thing to understand is if you are a little skeptical about going and talking to somebody, it's not a bad idea. Shameless plug for human resources people. It's not a bad idea to go talk to some human resources people about it. A lot of people think, oh, I'll be fired or this or that. There are some some legal protections in most cases for people. So it's what you know to be able to know that um, and go in and have some confidence in talking to someone is huge. So if you are skeptical about it, you know, go go talk to your HR office. Um, and you know, I think I would say almost all of us have some type of resource um, through our job, whether it's a, an employee wellness program or something on campus that would provide some resources to us as well um, in order to help with with. Um, you know, with mental illness and things we're struggling there. But, um, you know, and the last thing I would say is find someone that you do trust. So it, maybe it's not your AD, maybe it's a senior associate AD, maybe it's another assistant or associate AD um, who you can go talk to and, and they can help you out a little bit with it, or, you know, they can go with you to, to the big boss and talk to the big boss about it. So that those are just some tips I would um, suggest. Yeah, um, we got one more coming in, but if you guys want to know, what are some organizations that people can reach out to? I know, like Ryan, you said within within house, kind of talking with HR and stuff. But if you know, if there are people that that just don't feel comfortable talking within their professional organization, you know, um, Ivy, Brian, Ryan, what what are some organizations you guys like that people can reach out to? Yeah, I have a I have a whole bunch actually. Um, Bo, if I can just share my screen, I can just highlight a couple of them and then maybe this can get sent out to folks. Um, 
perfect. So um, a couple that I'll highlight, um, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. This is a really great lifeline. Um, and it doesn't have to be if you're struggling with suicidal thoughts. It can be if you're just struggling again with like the stubbing your toe and that's really bothering you and you want to talk to somebody, but you're not ready to talk to somebody in your personal life. That's totally fine. Um, and so this is just a lifeline that you can call 24-7 that has a trained individual on the other side that will be there to talk you through that tough time that you're going through. And the crisis text line is very similar to that, except instead of making a phone call, you are just texting somebody. So if that feels more comfortable, again, there's a trained individual that helps you on the other side. Um, therapy for black girls and therapy for black men. Um, I really like those being a person of color. Um, stigma is a lot more heightened in communities of color. So these are great resources for you to check out um, forums, podcasts, ways to find therapists um, that you can relate to who look like you. Um, those are all great. And the last one I'll just highlight is um, the My3 app. And this is just a way for you to have three different people in your contacts that know that you're struggling um, and that you can reach out to at any time. And also has a safety plan on there, your reasons to live. Um, so you can refer back to if you're having a tough time. And that's actually powered by the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Um, so I can I can get this sent out to all attendees if that's possible, but this is just a quick yeah. overview of just some different resources that you can use to talk to people um, that you, you might not be ready to talk to somebody in your circle, but you're ready to talk to somebody. Ryan, Brian, you guys have any anyone other ones? Yeah, I, I would, for me, it was uh, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Um, they do a really good job of, of providing resources, statistics, things like that. Um, one of the things they do a really good job of, too, is educating people. And so that's important if people want to learn a little bit more about um, mental health and, and um, maybe don't really know very much about it. That's a good one as well. And they also have um, some resources for college students, which they gave us. Um, I know when I was at Florida Southern, and so if you've got student athletes or, or student workers or whoever that might be struggling with it, they've got some really great resources as well. All right, well, this will uh, conclude our webinar today. We'd like to thank everyone for joining us for today's information session and a big thanks to our presenters, Ryan, Ivy, and Brian for their insights today. A reminder that you can find uh, this webinar on our on-demand on on-demand on cosida.com and on cosida's YouTube channel later this afternoon. Uh, it'll be in podcast form as well. So, uh, you know, check all the links on the Cosida website. Uh, thanks for joining us today. We'll have more webinars scheduled for September, mid-month. Uh, look for a webinar on financial planning and personal budgets for SIDs, particularly in the COVID-19 climate. That date will be announced uh, shortly. Uh, the Diversity and Inclusion Committee will present two LGBTQ plus webinars later in September, one on Tuesday, September 22nd uh, with uh, college athletic administrators and the second on September 29th with student athlete panelists. Uh, details to follow on all these webinars. Uh, please remember to check cosida.com and the cosida social channels uh, updated information for to register for these webinars. Uh, again, thank you for joining us and have a great day.